Good morning. Welcome, everybody, to Germantown Presbyterian Church. Welcome, one and all, to this service of worship. It's a pleasure to welcome everybody today. I certainly hope that you feel very much at home among us, especially if you're a visitor. We're delighted to have you with us. Thank you for visiting with us on this Sunday. It's the first Sunday of spring break, and so we don't have children's programming today in the afternoon or the morning. We don't have youth programming Sunday school or youth group this afternoon, so no children and youth programming today, but we'll resume those programs back again next week as always. Let me just highlight for you a few announcements for us this morning as we get started. Of course, we invite everybody to sign the friendship pad. Um, If you're worshiping with us here in our sanctuary, the red pad that's in the inside aisle, if you would please sign that and mark your attendance with us, then we'd be delighted to, uh, to see you and your name if you're a visitor and you'd like to know more about GPC, then you can indicate that on the friendship pad, and we'd certainly be glad to, uh, to welcome you personally and to answer any questions you may have about our church. Welcome to everyone who's worshiping online and during our live stream. We're delighted that you're worshiping with us as well. Of course, you can download a copy of the bulletin from the church website, and you can sign the electronic friendship pad and note your attendance with us via the live stream. We'd be certainly glad to reach out to you as well worshiping with us on our live stream. A few uh, announcements again for us this morning as we start our worship service. Uh, One is to note the rose that's on the baptismal font, and you'll see that there, and that's a joyful occasion for the family of um, Parker Payne Hoff, who was born just the other day, March the 4th, um, a week ago Friday. We're certainly delighted for her safe arrival into the world uh, Parker's parents are Hunter and Maddie Jordan Hoff. Maddie, of course, teaches in our Sunday school area, and uh, her parents are here this morning, Chip and Molly Miller. I saw Andrew Miller also uh, as well earlier. I think they're up in the sound booth, actually, taking care of our sound this morning. So congratulations to them on her birth, Parker's birth, and we want to especially uh, congratulate her great-grandmother, who's in the choir who's also here, Brenda Bishop. So for the whole family of Little Parker, congratulations. Welcome to her into the world. And I invite the whole congregation to pray for her, to pray for her family, to pray for Hunter and Maddie as well. Uh, A prayer of gratitude and a prayer of thanksgiving for her birth just the other day. Um, a, A long list of thank yous. How do you thank everybody who's been actively working here in the congregation for the last several weeks for very special events, like Children's Sunday last Sunday was just a really joyful time of worship. And so there's a host of people who worked so hard for Children's Sunday, uh, Blair, of course, and Karen, also in the choir, there she is back there, other Alex, so many other musicians, um, our other children's uh, Sunday school teachers and volunteers. So what a great uh, special time of worship that was last Sunday. Thank you, thank you, thank you for that joyful occasion. And thank you to everybody who participated in one way or another with our youth auction last uh, Sunday night. Um, Karen Festmeyer um, worked so hard for many months, and Christopher Greco worked very hard. Susan Jones, I know, worked pretty hard. Um, uh, So many people, I'm looking at several people in here who were so important uh, for this event to happen um, and the planning and the execution of it. We had... uh, um, 163 people attend, which was just a joyful occasion, and we raised uh, after, this is a net total, so backing out the expense for the food and the other uh, expenses, we netted $23,916, which uh, almost (laughs) $24,000. 
for the youth summer trips, uh, the youth uh, mission trips this summer. So thank you for that. I was thinking maybe they'll change from Mobile to Hawaii with that amount of money. No. Um, but what a great total. It does offset over half the cost of all of those trips. So thank you to everybody. Elizabeth, you worked hard on that as well. So many people did. Thank you. Thank you to Room in the Inn. Our last one was Friday night. Lots of people helped with that as well. So um, we're grateful that we could conclude another season of Room in the Inn. This coming Wednesday night starts the first of four Wednesday nights during Advent, where we'll do a devotional study on the last four days of Jesus's life. So a meal at 5.30 in Warren Hall, followed by devotional study led by Mike. And I encourage you to sign up. Uh, and you can see how in the bulletin, all the details about that are in the bulletin. Um, all the details about GPC Connect, our parents' night out, our new and improved parents' night out, except that they're going for Sunday brunch in two weeks uh, for that event. So please see about GPC Connect. Please see about the blood drive. Please see about Nakomi, the last weekend, last two days of April and the 1st of May. The sign-up for that is in the bulletin, and uh, that's going to be another great event, and we encourage everybody to please attend that. It'll be wonderful. Save the date for the Mexico mission trip as well. Save the date for a very special concert in here, um, not this coming Friday night, but a week from Friday, two weeks almost, a very special concert given by uh, a group of regional musicians in memory of Sandy Franks, that they're having a concert here, and it will be a fundraiser and a special concert. Gerald, uh, there'll be more information about that in the coming e-blast this week, and then certainly next week you can learn. But save that for two weeks from last Friday, a concert on that Friday night in memory of Sandy Franks. Friends, as we begin to worship, let me uh, inform you about the death of Carol Ann Trenner. If you haven't heard already, she died just the other day. And uh, Carol Ann and Tommy have been members of this church for a long, long time, raised their two kids, Mallory and Holt, here in this congregation, in this family of faith. And so please keep Tommy in your prayers. And um, uh, per her request, there will not be a public memorial service, but we know that you'll keep them in your thoughts and your prayers. I'm sure Tommy would uh, appreciate a note and uh, appreciate uh, just your thinking about him and remembering him on the death of his wife, Carol Ann. Friends, those are all of our announcements. Let us now prepare our hearts and minds to worship God. God calls us to rejoice as we worship. God invites us into deeper faith and more obedient trust. Please stand and join me in our call to worship. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? One thing I ask from the Lord, this only do I seek. For in the day of trouble, the Lord will keep me safe in his dwelling. Almighty God, I need the shelter of his sacred tent, and set me high 
God offers us new life through Jesus Christ. Through Christ, we have forgiveness and love. Let us confess our sin and pray for God's mercy. You are holy, just, and true, O God. We, on the other hand, are sometimes profane, cruel, and false. There is a gulf between you and God and leaves us hopeless. Unless you intervene and rescue us from ourselves. During this Lenten season, hear us confess our sadness over sin. Cleanse us in the redeeming grace of Jesus Christ, we humbly pray. Do not hold our sin against us and look upon us with mercy. We pray in the name of Jesus Christ. In the name of Jesus Christ, we are forgiven. God has mercy on us, and God forgives our sins and no longer holds them against us. Let us rejoice in God's goodness. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you. As our children come forward, I invite you to greet one another with the peace of Christ.
Please join me in prayer. Let us pray. Send forth your Spirit, O God, our Redeemer. Send forth your Spirit into our hearts, into our minds now. Lord, speak to us through what we read and what we hear, through what we say. May it, may you affect all that we do today and always. In Christ's name, amen. Our first scripture lesson comes from the Gospel of Luke. This, happens, uh, this scene happens where Jesus is on his way to Jerusalem. He has turned his face toward Jerusalem. And then we follow his journey during the season of Lent from Galilee to Jerusalem. He is going there to face the cross. And he picks up more and more opposition along the way, uh, including some from Herod himself. This first reading comes from Luke 13, verses 31 through 35. At that very hour, some Pharisees came and said to him, Get away from here, for Herod wants to kill you. He said to them, Go tell that fox for me. Listen, I am casting out demons and performing cures today and tomorrow, and on the third day I will finish my work. Yet today, tomorrow, and the next day I must be on my way because it is impossible for a prophet to be killed outside Jerusalem. Jerusalem, Jerusalem. The city that kills the prophets and stones those who are sent to it. How often have I desired to gather you and to gather your children together as a hen gathers her brood under her wings, and you were not willing. See, your house is left to you, and I tell you, you will not see me until the time comes when you say, Blessed is the one who comes in the name of the Lord. Amen. Our second reading comes from the Philippians, uh, Paul's letter to the Philippians, Philippians 3, verses 17 through chapter 4, verse 1. Paul writes, Brothers and sisters, join in imitating me and observe those who live according to the example that you have in us. For many live as enemies of the cross of Christ. I have often told you of them, and now I tell you even more with tears. Their end is destruction. Their God is the belly, and their glory is in their shame. Their minds are set on earthly things. But our citizenship, our citizenship is in heaven, and it is from there that we are expecting a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. He will transform the body of our humiliation so that it may be conformed to the body of His glory by the power that enables him to make all things subject to himself. Therefore, my brothers and sisters whom I love and long for my joy and my crown, stand firm in the Lord in this way, my beloved. Amen. This is the word of the Lord. On first blush, it might sound a little, a little bit like vanity, as if Paul is slightly puffed up, but he is not. He is not when he tells people to imitate him and to imitate others who have set an example for all disciples. It's not vanity. It is humility because Paul is reminding himself, he is reminding those in the Philippian church that we do have before us, all of us, the pattern for a good life. We have the example in Jesus Christ of, of what it means to live an authentic human life and to live as God wants us to. How should we live? How now shall we live? Well, we live by the example given to us by Jesus Christ and by those who live according to His ways. Those are our 
role models. Those are our examples. Do you remember who some of your role models were when you were growing up? Maybe somebody in your family, a father, a mother, a grandparent. You probably, if you were like me, had role models who were teachers, those who were coaches. You knew that they had your best interest at heart and that they were trying to show you the right way to do something or the right way to think or how to think. Who are your role models? Who are your examples? The best examples we have before us every day are those who live as, as allies of the cross, those who have taken up their cross, like Jesus said, and those who follow Christ, those who are obedient to Him. And those may be mother or father or Sunday school teachers, aunts or uncles, those role models, those examples that Paul is imploring us to follow. Paul is imploring us to, to listen to them and follow their examples, those allies of the cross, those Christian disciples. Because there are other people, says Paul, and this is where he, he really dives into some, some deep and profound thoughts in this reading. There are other people who live, as Paul calls them, enemies of the cross. So he is setting up this, this, uh, this clarification. He's setting up these two ways, these two tracks. Those who live as, as followers of Christ, as allies of the cross, and those, on the other hand, who live as enemies of the cross because they have a different God. They have a different God, and it's fascinating what Paul, how Paul describes this God. New Testament scholars over the years have, have struggled with exactly how to translate this word, how to translate this idea and what it means, what Paul calls koilila. Their God is their belly, says Paul. Now, literally that means, koilila means a cavity or a hollow space, and it's meant in the ancient Greek to describe the place from basically from your neck down to your abdomen, your body cavity, your hollow space. And the ancient Greeks used this word to describe not only your, your chest, your abdomen, but where your heart is, where your stomach is, and how those motivate you and how those drive you, your heart and your appetites. And so the word belly is how many New Testament scholars translate this word in different Bible versions. The chest cavity, what you take in and what you take out, how you breathe, what you breathe in, what you breathe out, your heart, your stomach what your belly wants, how you eat and how you drink and what you put into it. It actually wasn't until I was an adult that I learned that, that belly is an improper word in some circles. Maybe where you grew up, belly was an improper word, an impolite word. We didn't think so. We talked about our belly buttons and things like that. Um, I used the word belly one time around some friends from the UK and they sort of startled back a little bit. And they sort of recoiled, and then they said, you must say tummy, because belly is improper. So then I found all kinds of reasons to manufacture, cause it to use the word belly around them as much as I could, just to embarrass them and see their shock. But that word belly, it does connote a lot. There are certain times when I love to fill up my belly. I love to make a late morning Waffle House run on certain occasions. It's almost always after I've been up early deer hunting or turkey hunting up way before sunrise and you get out in the field and you're out there for several hours and by 10 or 10.30, I am hungry. So I will go to Waffle House and I, 
My order is the same every time. There is no deviation from my standard order. Two eggs over easy with a side of wheat toast with butter and jam, a side of crispy bacon and a side of hash brown scattered and smothered and a waffle also on the side, large water, large coffee, large orange juice. That's my order every time. Do I need that much food in my belly? No. (laughs) Is it an overindulgence? Probably. Do I want that much food in my belly? Definitely. And of course, I've discovered um, the hungrier I am, the less disciplined I am, and the more likely I am to put unhealthy things into my chest cavity. Um, That word belly in Jesus' day, it's a fascinating word that Paul uses uh, to describe this space within us that we fill up. And of course, there's the literal meaning of of what you do. What are your appetites by which you do feed yourself? What do you eat? What do you drink? What do you put into your body? How do you care for it? When do you overindulge and why? Now, there's that physical pull that we all feel to to feed the body. And of course, the hungrier we are, then the more likely we are to put things in it that are unhealthy. But the ancient Greeks knew, and Jesus knew too, and the New Testament writers knew that, of course, that word is is about the physical part of us, but it's about so much more. It's about the empty places in our lives. It's about those those cavities in our lives that we try to fill up and, and those places where we don't want that emptiness, but it's there. They knew, of course, that the body and the mind and the heart that we all have needs, we all have desires, we all have ambitions. We crave love from our earliest moments on all the way through our last. We crave love, we want attention, we want affirmation. We, need, we were created to work, we need satisfying work, something by which we engage our hearts and our minds and contentment, and we need purpose in life. This is what this, this is all about, really, and what Paul is saying. Paul is driving at in this passage is that those who serve Christ will live according to one way. Those who serve their appetites, those who serve their belly, their lust, their desires, those who serve them and see them first and foremost, they will live another way. Constantly trying to fill themselves up with things that will fill them up temporarily, but that will then they'll be empty. They satisfy only temporarily always temporarily. They're filled up, they're empty soon after, and we as human beings can get into this cycle, and Paul calls it a destructive cycle, this destructive cycle of looking for things to fill us up, those empty places, to satisfy us only to be empty later on, to fill up later, to be empty later, this destructive cycle in which the God, the belly is our God. It's been really interesting, not interesting, but tragic, um, to think about what's going on in our world and to think about the the forces that are at work in our world. And and I I could make this connection, I think, this week, having all these discussions about what on earth could be Vladimir Putin's motivation right now. What, What is driving him to do what he is doing by invading Ukraine? Why would he start a war by invading another neighboring country? Why cause that much pain and that much suffering? And decision, it seems to be mainly his, although I'm sure there's lots of of, uh, influential collaborators around him. It's got to be some kind of appetite. 
It's a destructive appetite. It's a lust for power and attention and fame. It's to distract his own people from their miseries at home by focusing on another country and a war. It's to be remembered. It's to be famous and remembered from now on through history. It's to expand influence and power. It's pride, no doubt. Surely there's financial gain to be to, to be gained there and the natural resources of another country. All these desires and lust driving his decisions. His God is his belly, his appetites, his own destructive desires, and they are out of control. That is an enemy of the cross. He is an enemy of the cross of Christ. The cross is about self-sacrificial love. The cross is about carrying burdens of others, not causing them, not creating them intentionally. The cross is about being faithful to God. It's about being obedient to who Jesus Christ is no matter what. The cross is about defeating evil, not causing it intentionally. So many people live as enemies of the cross, says Paul. And it causes him to weep, to weep over that destruction. So our world is weeping now over the destruction in Ukraine because of mainly one person living as an enemy of the cross because his belly, his appetites, is his God. There's a better way to live. There is, of course, another and a better and a true way to live. And it is always by the way of Jesus Christ. Always His way. This example that he sets out before us that we read about in the New Testament. This example of this man who preached mercy and who preached and lived peace. This one who went about trying to, to help people and relieve their burdens. Jesus who showered other people with grace. He, he took up the cross of suffering in order to show them sacrificial love, to show all of us sacrificial love. He lived this perfect life of obedience before God in order that we might be saved. That is the right way to live, a life of faithful obedience to God, a life of grace and mercy. That is the way of the cross. That is who we are as allies of the cross. And then there are those who are enemies of the cross, whose God is very different, whose God is so very different. Friends, we're in this season of Lent. And in this season of Lent, of course, we are thinking about our, our bodies and our minds. We're thinking about our motivations, our hearts, our desires, our lusts, all of those things that drive us. Our good ambition versus a sinful ambition. Yes, your, your appetites matter. The things that drive you, they do matter. Where do they drive you? In which direction do they compel you? We're in this season of Lent, which is all about disciplining our bodies, because when we discipline our bodies, we also discipline our mind, our hearts very faithfully. A spiritual discipline is something that we, we always encourage people to do year-round, but especially now this season of Lent. To give up something, to deny something of yourself that you may rely upon, that you may need. To sacrifice something by way of training your appetites and keeping them in check or keeping them under control. You might also have taken up a good practice. You've engaged in a positive Lenten discipline of, of something that is positive, whether it's our, our Lenten devotional book of trying to pray twice a day or some other spiritual discipline you've taken up. Spiritual disciplines are good for the body. 
They're good for the soul. They, they remind us of to whom we belong and who we serve. And they're important. They're important for our present, but then they remind us of our future. They remind us of our future because as Paul then comes around to saying, uh, he talks about the body. And he talks about who we are right now. He calls it a body of humiliation. And does he mean that the body is somehow wrong? Is it somehow bad? No. It's not something to be ashamed of. What he's talking about in the body of our humiliation is how susceptible we are to illness, to injury, to pain and suffering. When our bodies hurt, our hearts also hurt. So Paul is talking about this this body of humiliation now that's so frail, that's so susceptible to injury and illness, but then how one day we hope for and we believe it will be conformed to Christ's own body of glory. That what Christ has now after His resurrection is one day waiting on us, a body of glory, a body of resurrection, a body raised to new life by God's love. That's what he's talking about. So what we do now, we, we train ourselves for what we hope for in the future by, by living obedient lives in this body, by controlling our appetites, by engaging in spiritual disciplines, not letting our lusts rule us like God's, not overindulging, not being out of control, not giving in to anger or lust or destructive habits, not giving in to greed and not fighting just for the sake of it. We live by the example of Christ. Always we wait and hope for Him. We stand firm now, anticipating our eternal life in the future. So we continue now our journey through Lent. We move through this most important season of the year. And I encourage you again, if you haven't already, to take up some positive spiritual discipline during this time. Give up something as a way of disciplining yourself and your mind and your heart. As you go through this Lenten series, as this Lenten season, may God bless you in your spiritual discipline. May we live by the example and the pattern of Jesus Christ each and every day. Amen. Friends, we've been blessed to hear God's word both read and proclaimed to us. And so let us now, in response to hearing God's word, affirm our faith together. So I invite you to stand and let us affirm our faith as printed in the bulletin from a brief statement of faith. We trust in Jesus Christ, fully human, fully God. Jesus proclaimed the reign of God, preaching good news to the poor and release to the captives, teaching by word and deed and blessing the children, healing the sick, and binding up the brokenhearted, eating with outcasts, forgiving sinners, and calling all to repent and believe the gospel, unjustly condemned for blasphemy and sedition. Jesus was crucified, suffering the depths of human pain, and giving his life for the sins of the world. Amen. Please be seated. Well, friends, all morning God has been having a conversation with us, and it's very specific to our lives and our stories and what's going on 
and the story that he is writing on our hearts. And so I invite you to join me as we keep the conversation going and enter into his presence in a time of prayer. Would you join me? Ah, Jesus, it feels good to be together with you. We thank you for gifting us this opportunity to just rest a while and hear your voice and open our hearts to allowing you to tinker away on our souls. We hear you. We sense you. This morning, as we have woken to a beautiful day where we have safe roads to pass and where we come into a warm place, you know it's been on our minds not only all week but the last two weeks that there are places all over the world that don't feel as beautiful or warm or safe. We can't help but think about our sisters and brothers in Eastern Europe, in the country of Ukraine in particular. The suffering that's going on there, the humanitarian crisis that is mounting, the senseless ending of lives. God, we don't know how to make sense of this. And sometimes it feels hopeless, but nevertheless, we stand on the confidence that you give us And we beg of you, Holy Spirit, to rush in like a mighty waters and let peace come. Let there be healing, a cessation of violence and hostilities. And God, we don't know what that looks like, but we beg of you to allow us in this country and all countries around the world to stand firm as agents of peace. Let our best selves, that part that is being transformed by your goodness and grace, shine in these days that feel so dark, not only to us, to us, but to those who are experiencing what we cannot imagine. And we know that there are struggles and difficulties that aren't just far away, but they are near. They are close. We live to those that are known to us, and also those who are unknown, that are struggling with mental illness, with bodies that seem to be attacking them, and they feel less and less control of their lives, with friendships that fade, with businesses that are really struggling to make ends meet and to be competitive and to keep the doors open. And God, we stand in this valley hearing your words of the 23rd Psalm, that you, in the midst of all of that, are the kind of person, the kind of God that prepares a feast of grace as an act of defiance, telling us that the dark times don't get the final say. And so we thank you for this faith family that you have blessed us with, this community where we are strengthened together every time we get to be in your presence as a body of Christ. We thank you for our friends and family, for the clothes on our bodies, the nourishment that you have and continue to provide, and for the opportunities that you open. Holy God, 
in this mixed bag of life. We beg of you to give us the courage to declare with words when they are necessary, but with the totality of our existence that you are Lord and Savior. You are in control. You are our hope and our strength and our peace. And so we dedicate our lives to you this morning. And we lean on your everlasting arms. And we pray together the prayer that you taught us, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. And now as we continue our worship We have the opportunity to do so through the tangible portions of our lives. And we come in this place to give our tithes and offerings to Christ out of obedience to Scripture, out of a sense of gratitude, and also as a declaration that he is Lord of all. I invite our ushers now to come forward and receive our gifts to God.
Let us again turn to Almighty God in prayer. Gracious God, you've blessed the work of our hands. You've blessed us with resources that we may share for your service. And you've entrusted us with gifts to share for the building up of your kingdom. We celebrate the work of your Holy Spirit in us and in the world. And we offer these gifts to you in faith and hope. Bless and use them, we pray, to meet the needs of your people near and far. Bless and use them to your honor and to your glory. Bless and use them, we pray, according to your will. Through Christ, we pray together and say, Amen. little extra pep in some people's singing of that last hymn, and some didn't even need the words for that great classic hymn. Lean on the everlasting arms as you go out into this world to love and serve your Lord and to love and serve your neighbor as yourself. And as you go, may the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace now and forever. Amen. Amen. Mm-hmm.